0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Brand Boutique Elite. Be sure to follow our podcast on Apple or Spotify or your preferred podcast platform. My name is Farhana Cannon, and I'm a social media and brand expert and the founder of iMedia Exposure. Today, we have Coach AK on as our guest. He's an entrepreneur, educator, consultant, strategist, storyteller, and the former top 10 world-ranked athlete from the University of Oregon. He has traveled extensively um, throughout the world, working with students, athletes, coaches, government agencies um, around the world. Um, So Coach AK, thank you for being with us today.
1: Thank you. I'm super excited to be having this conversation uh, in this fun covered world in my house, as you see all of my fun little plants in the background. So,
0: yes, you do have a lot of plants in there.
1: Yeah, it's not mine though. It's, it's my partner's, and she is quite the plant enthusiast. I just use it for my backgrounds.
0: Hmm, it's pretty. My mom loves plants. And so, growing up, she'd have like a million. She still has a million, but she travels a super ton and she'd be like, Can you water them? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this. And then sometimes I'd kill them and she'd be really upset. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I told you before
1: you left. (laughs) Well, I do. I don't, I've learned how to take care of them a little bit. I remember one time I told um, my girlfriend, her name's Yasmin, like we could just get fake plants. And she looked at me as though I was killing her firstborn. So I've never met that.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, they have health benefits. It gives you like clean oxygen, and it's suits, It's like a tranquil vibe, you know. They're good. Yeah. yeah. You can manage them.
1: <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, just super excited just to be talking and uh, you know, talk about business, talk about entrepreneurship, talk about my story because I think what they heard was a lot of different things that I do and there were still things unclear so what does he do potentially i don't know but
0: yeah so tell us what do you do
1: yeah i mean at the end of the day uh, you can say i'm a consultant i'm an educator you know i've been lucky to have a lot of opportunities throughout my life it started as a you know former athlete all-american athlete professional athlete Then worked into the nonprofit world and doing um, sports diplomacy with the US government, to speaking, to starting multiple businesses, to now even consulting for big companies like Google and doing sales training. So at the end of the day, what I always believe I'm doing is adding more tools into my toolbox that allows me to just be versatile in any condition in any market.
0: What is sports diplomacy? That's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, so uh, in two thousand and sixteen, I started a company called Empowered to Play, and we use sports as a vehicle to promote peace. And what we used um, the two countries we did most of our work in was the Philippines and Haiti. And what we wanted to do was build diplomatic relationships between the United States and Haiti, for example, Uh, because stuff was going on in like two thousand and sixteen. Sports as this for the sports camp as we work side-by-side for 10 days to actually improve relationships while also providing opportunities for 300 local youth in the community. Cool. Yeah.
0: Now, from that, you know, how did you become a speaker? And, you know, I know that you do some trainings for Google and things like that. So from being an athlete and traveling around the world and doing, you know, that kind of diplomacy work, how did you change into you know being a speaker and entrepreneur in, in that aspect
1: <laughs> well it's funny because when i think about speaking sorry we're in COVID words so we hear like traffic going by out of right in the city so it's all normal um but i find it funny what i do on a daily basis i get paid to just talk and kind of use my phone and, and the computer oftentimes but what i do is in terms of speaking is I first got into it like four or five years ago, maybe actually six years ago. And I actually used to be afraid of public speaking. Me too. Yeah, I'm dyslexic. Uh, it's hard for me to like form a sentence sometimes, as you'll find out very soon. But I, I remember I was sitting there and I was had to do this presentation. I was working at this boarding school called uh, the St. Paul School, uh, it's up in New Hampshire. And I had to give these announcements every single week on the events that were going on. And I remember sitting there and just frustrated because I had to, I was reading these prompts word for word, but I would actually add in the ums and the uh sound like I was doing it naturally, even though I was just reading it word for word. But the reason I say that is because I used to be afraid of it, and then the more that I did it, the better that I got. And what ended up happening when I started my first company, Empower to Play, I just had to teach and I had to coach like 300 people in one field at one time. And that's what started to get my public speaking uh, really started built up. And then from there, what ended up happening was I got an opportunity to work for this company called Dear World, where we helped literally craft stories of thousands of people around the world. So every single day I was developing keynote speeches, I was doing one-on-ones, I was doing facilitations, and that just led into one thing and another to another while I created this large speaking portfolio.
0: I think with anything, you know, practice makes perfect. My uncle says, if you have 500 hours of doing a thing, it makes you an expert in that.
1: I hate that quote. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: well, okay, we'll talk about. It. I'll talk about. It. Keep, keep going. I have a reason why, because that's um, like the like the ten thousand hour rule. Rule. I am so against that, but continue that. I don't want to cut that. Off.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I just think it's funny, and I I don't think that I've ever tracked anything hourly like that. So it's you know it is what it is. But when I first started speaking, or when I first was. Told I should be a speaker. I was like, absolutely not. I'm not getting up in front of everyone. I'm not dyslexic, but I be, I feel like awkward when everyone's just staring at me. And then I kind of was. I got over it. My my coach at the time said to me, "Well, why do you do what you do?" And I said, "I love helping businesses grow, and I love helping people achieve their dreams by coming up with creative methods to do so." And he goes, "Well, you know that you can help more people if you just get up on stage and do it and I was like "Hmm, okay fine I'll do it and you know throughout the years I have gotten more comfortable obviously now I'm doing the live and podcasts and things like that I do tons of virtual events in the current climate and then tons of speaking events and that being said I've traveled around the world and you know five years ago I would be nervous now I'm like okay and what I tell myself is that somebody's gonna because you know, after a time, there's people that will see me speak multiple times and they'll be like, oh, I used this tip that you gave me and it grew my business and I did this. And so I'm like, yay, like I get to actually go and help people. And I tell my clients that too, because I think a ton of people are afraid of speaking in front of people. It's not something that we're like naturally taught to do, I think in this country.
1: Well, it's funny because I would say in terms of speaking, the biggest tip that I can give anyone is it's really getting out of your own head, As, you know, speaking to that we do every single day, right? I have a conversation with my partner, I have a conversation with my little girl, my, my, my daughter, we have conversations every single day, but somehow when we decide to get on stage, something changes. We feel like we have to be something different than ourselves. And so most of the time, we think, well, how do I move my hands? And how do I move my head? And do I walk across this stage? When How often are we thinking about how we're going to tilt our head in everyday conversations? We don't. You know, I usually tell people the hardest person to be in the whole entire world is ourselves. And the larger the audience, the more we tend to be not ourselves. That causes us to actually get in our own head and become this much more robotic version of ourselves. Uh, you know, with speaking, one of the most powerful things I can tell people is they believe that the speaking engagement starts when you get onto stage. But it actually starts the moment that it becomes into your psyche. So if you're starting to get on thinking about this speech that you have to do, and you're saying, well, am I going to mess up? What am I going to say? How am I going to do that? By the time you get onto stage, you've already psyched yourself out. So I tell everybody, your goal is just to get up there and just be yourself because, and I, I know some people say easier said than done. It actually is easier said than done because the moment you're able to do that, nobody can take that as your X factor of your personality in your own individual style.
0: Yeah, that's really great advice. You know, people would tell me, oh, crack a joke or say something like that. and. I'm, i'm not funny like I, will, I have like witty comments but i don't have jokes like I, i'm not going to be the one that's like throwing out jokes like i'll say something witty but it won't be like a joke joke and so i when i first started i'm like what can i say that's gonna make people feel comfortable and you know how what joke can i do and that wasn't me and so i would try to put something on to like break the ice and i was like this isn't working and then when i stopped trying to do all of the things and i was just myself like i walk around a ton i'll go and like closer to people and ask them a question i use my hands a lot and when i just in myself it's so much easier and, and i'm not in my head because it's like i'm gonna go up here and talk like i do every day all day long to all of the people mm-hmm. and and just do it and i think too like for me the thing to get me outside of my head is knowing that when I go up there, I'm going to be helping somebody else and it's going to shift something and they're gonna take at least one tip from all of the things that I say. And if they implement that, that's gonna grow their business. And so I feel like that helps rather than it just being about me because it's really not about me. It's about me being of service to other people.
1: Yeah, 100%. And at the end of the day, you cannot please everyone. And as a matter of fact, you can actually by <laughs> your you know pushing to please everybody, people are gonna not like you' because they're like, oh, this person's a people pleaser. And so the only thing that I can do or anyone is go out there and just give it your all. and whether you felt that you did good or bad it really doesn't matter if you felt like you did your best because everyone is coming at a different place. I always I, one thing I stopped doing in a lot of my speaking engagements, is to say that here's the three things you should take away from today. Because it all depends on where they are in that journey. Somebody may have taken something completely different depending on where they are than where they were than somebody else. So oftentimes, what I'll do is I do a this in the virtual world is like, hey, what I want you to do is I want you to put into the chat one thing that you took away from today's, right? And then everybody will read all the different takeaways from throughout the day. So I, I just really way to present is to be yourself there are some tips there are some strategies but if you are not able to get that piece down then you're just going to become a robot and be just be somebody else
0: i really love that example that you said for everyone to write in the chat one thing that they took away Mm -hmm. because in that very moment know people are listening and generally when they're doing virtual events they're like drinking their coffee checking their texts you know maybe their kids asking them a question you know all of the things and when you ask them what was this thing that they took away they have to stop and listen and, and think for a second and then actually physically write it down so now they're actually going to to take away that piece like that nugget is going to be ingrained just because they had to stop Think about it. Type it out. Let the public see it, and so that will be their takeaway. Whereas sometimes people can just leave and, you know, not really be fully present. And then it's hard to do participation on a virtual platform, especially if you can't see the attendees. Because I've been on lots of events like that where there's like you know 200 virtual attendees, but I'm literally looking at a screen just talking to myself. Oh yeah. <laughs> but when I you know, I stop and I have them engage. I'm like, okay, they're alive, they're there, they're paying attention. And so, and then it's kind of more interactive because I, I mean, I'm sure too, when you're actually physically on stage in front of the humans, you probably ask questions and like engage. And
1: I do the I mean, you know, one of the things we do within Google, so I'm one of part of this master faculty team where they brought educators, teachers, and coaches from all around the world to become the best virtual and, and in-person communicators and trainers and what often happens when people go in from the in-person they try to mimic the same things in the virtual environment and it just is not the same now one thing you have is eye contact is a weird thing because i might be looking at my camera or i might be looking at my computer but no one actually knows what i'm looking at so in the virtual environment in addition, in the virtual environment, you have a lot more distractions that can be coming on your screen. So you have to almost be able to also multitask. But What I say is, especially in the in-person, I mean, in the virtual, is you have to increase engagement. That can be one, asking questions very early on, making sure that you have breakout rooms, making sure that you are using different types of modalities for the communication. So what I'll do not only in the chat, I'll say, hey, what I want everybody to do is I want everybody to raise their hand. Right, and now from you know, you know, one to ten, like how comfortable. Or like, this, my camera's all kind of weird. <laughs> In mm-hmm. reverse, is like from one to ten. Tell me um, how comfortable you feel with the with the content, right? So if somebody says a five, I know how. Oh, you know, I saw that you put a five down. You know, what was it that you would still like to you know learn, or something that you're not grasping, or somebody else might have put a ten, and I would say, okay, so what is that uh, has really helped you learn this material? So I use body poles. I use a chat function, I'll use asking questions and breakout rooms. And I actually believe that the virtual environment can even be a better learning environment than in person.
0: I think that people, you know, they're either focused and they're at home, but there are there there are distractions. I like live because I love before I go on stage i'll go and speak to a couple of different people ask them about what they do what their goals are and then when i get up on stage you know i have my very specific examples that i'm going to be speaking about but i'll use examples to um back up my i guess the lesson with specific examples for each industry so if somebody tells me that they are a um, a makeup artist, you know, I'll use examples, be like, okay, so if you're a makeup artist, you wanna do X to accomplish what I'm teaching right now. And I feel like that's really helpful. Do you have any tips on how to kind of really do that in the virtual space?
1: Yeah, I mean, in the virtual space, a lot of what I'll do is before the session even starts, I do a lot of research on my participants, not just where they're from, but also like some of their hobbies. So it really makes it feel as though it's very personal i can use that like well i, I just saw that uh, we have some individuals that went to university of oregon for example right so i'm using some of the personal experiences that i know of individuals to put that into the room another one is that i i find really beneficial is i say breakout rooms you know breakout rooms are really really powerful because they sh- they make the room a little bit smaller and then giving everybody a task and then when they come out, they can present it into the room. So my goal is having them facilitate and having them speak. And I'm just creating the conver- the conversation prompts or the discussion prompts. Right? It's a very personal environment. And I think this is extremely important because of, we're in the YouTube generation. If you're speaking for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour without engagement, people are going to sit there and be like, I can get this on YouTube. Is this something that's already been created already? So it actually causes people to immediately kind of check out. But if you increase in engagement, it always makes it feel like it's a personal experience. So for each of my sessions, I only pair, prepare 60%, and the other 40% happens in, happens in real time.
0: Yeah, I like the engagement. And I, because I've gone on, you know, seminars or whatever, and the second I feel like it's kind of boring, I'm like, all right. I might have it on in the background. I'm doing the other things. And then if it doesn't pick up, if there's not something to capture my attention, you know, the volume will start going down. And then I'm like, all right, I'm over it. And I think that that's the case for a lot of people. Um, So I love the engagement. You said you do research ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So when people are registering, what kinds of information? Because generally, they say if you're doing an event, you don't want to have people fill out too much information because then they won't sign up or you know for anything um, if it's like a free thing they're not gonna fill out that so is it mostly you know events that people are paying for that they are giving more information like so how do you get the information what's like the strategy of getting the information from people so that you don't feel like you're asking too much that they don't want to follow through and register but you are getting enough so that you can do the research
1: what's well, funny <laughs> Uh all I need is a name and a company or some information Own research. I'll look on LinkedIn. I'll look on social media channels. Like I want to know who they are outside of just what they put on a forum. And the more that I'm able to do that, it actually helps me know how to even introduce myself. Right? When I know the people that are in the room, my goal is always going to be to create connection points. So if I know there's a lot of athletes in the room, what part do you think I'm going to include? My athlete background. If I know that there's a lot of you know it's an older group and there's a lot of you know maybe parents in the room, I'll start. To, I'll bring that pieces out, right? Because at the end of the day, I don't want them to just see, AK from, you know, uh, Mobile XA. What I want them to see is like, oh, this is AK that we went to similar schools. We both live on the same coast. He's a father, you know, a parent just like me. And so all of these connection pieces are happening at the very start. And when you are to build those connection pieces, what actually ends up happening is that resistance goes down and they're actually more apt to want to pay attention and get involved.
0: Yeah, for sure. Definitely having connection. And then that's true kind of in all aspects. Like if you're posting things on social media, if there is something that resonates with like your target audience, they're going to be like, Oh, like, you know, we went to the same school or we're interested in the same charity or, you know, I liked that quote too or I liked that speaker too like whatever it is it people will feel more comfortable and feel as though like you're a peer when they have these human connection points.
1: Yeah, 100 and, and I was actually just facilitated a course on influence with with Google. And they were saying that in terms of professional relationships what allows us to gathered or gain the most influence or the power to influence, we're not talking about manipulation, but like influence, uh, is actually character professionally. In the professional world, it's network and reputation, meaning who you are as a person, that way you're able to build rapport is actually the best way to build out your influence and build out your impact. And a lot of people focus on just things like, it's just what I do. It's, or, who, who are, or like the work that you do is like, it's not. In the sales world, in the business world, if you're not able to build relationships, if you're not able to build connections, especially in this overcrowded world, then it's gonna be very, very challenging for you to navigate. And that's why I would say, also working on your communication skills and being comfortable to communicate naturally is really gonna be the number one thing that I believe for everybody is gonna help them grow their company, their vision, their brand the most
0: yeah that's definitely true so on when i'm on panels one of the questions that people usually ask is what is a book that you would suggest and you know people see me and they're like okay you look fairly young you do digital marketing they think that i'm going to come up with something and then i throw out how to win friends and influence people by carnegie yeah and everyone's like especially the moderators cuz they tend to be like a bit older and male and they look at me like Oh, okay, that's a good one. I've read that. <laughs> like and but it's true, it's even if you're doing everything virtually, it still is about building those relationships, building that rapport. Like a lot of people that I've connected with or I've worked with have or maybe they've met me at one point, but it's just kind of like our relationship relationship throughout that they may come to me and say hey like you know I want to work with you and it's because of like the connection and the relationship that I like built with those people and I feel like you know there could be five people that do the exact same thing and it is if you have made a connection with somebody and like you're building that relationship and not like being like hey buy my product buy my product but actually authentically like connecting and building the relationship is when somebody wants to work with you.
1: 100% agree, especially because it just builds that trust. At the end of the day, you know, what people are really asking when they're buying from you or want to work with you is do we trust you? Because if I told you this, if I told you this, if I were to give you a hundred dollars, Right? or you're going to give me $100, you're going to give me $100. And I would 100% get a 100% return on your investment by tomorrow. Would you give me that
0: $100? If I, Since I know you, or if I didn't know you?
1: No, whether or not you know me or not, like 100%. It's going to be, without a doubt, if you give me $100, you will get $200 tomorrow. Sure. OK. How much, if you knew 100% it was gonna happen, 100%, how much would you give me if you would be 100% chance that you would get the return on your investment in 24 hours? How much would you
0: give me? I mean, as much as I could, if it was 100% guarantee. I'd call up all the people and be like. (laughs) Exactly,
1: it's 100% the same, and that's what it is. It's, we're always selling our products. We're always trying to get our stuff out there, but, what they're always asking us questions, all the objections are like, do we trust you? Do we believe that what you say you can do, you can actually do, right? And if you're a startup, obviously it's gonna be a challenge because what we've never heard of you, we don't know you, so what do you need to do instead, right? You might need to get some press, you might need to get some media, you might need to do some relationships. Um, but as you go down, we all have these things that we need to do to build trust with our customers or our clients or our team. And your ability to build that trust is going to be the biggest factor that you have to really closing the deal and really building on that relationship.
0: So what are some, so getting press, um, what are some other ideas of how to build trust? Cause there's a lot of people that are startups and they're like, okay, well, how do we do that? How do we have somebody believe us? So yes, I can say whatever I can, you know, show you that I was featured in the Boston globe. I was featured in this magazine and and this thing. And I spoke at, you know, these hundred events, but what are some other things to build trust?
1: A lot of it depends on your industry and what you do as a consultant, if you are selling yourself, right. Then the way you need to be trust is going to be different than you need to build a product, but they can work hand in hand, the product and the brand. Now, if it's your own individual, right, as you're a consultant, then you have to provide knowledge. It just can't be you selling, 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 selling your product. It could be through press. It could be making sure that you have a professional image. So if you can have amazing press, but if I go and look at you and it looks like you're from the 1990s, it's not really going to help me build trust. Um, Another one can be is relationships. I I
0: don't think you trust me (laughs) back (laughs) then.
1: Um, another one is actually walking people through the process. Like, what does this actually look like? You know, one of the biggest challenges I see with entrepreneurs when they first start is they have a difficulty communicating their product or what, what's, what's going to be the tangible offering that they're offering. So, if I go to McDonald's and I give them five dollars, I expect that I will receive like a burger and fries. But sometimes when I'm talking to these entrepreneurs or these businesses when they're first starting out, even actually some bigger companies, is I might understand the product, I might understand the concept, but if I'm going to give you this money, what am I tangibly going to receive in return? And even if it's consulting, it's going to be like here's a you know here's a write-up, here's a report. It's going to be these money. I was like, I just need to clear it is for me to understand what I will receive tangibly. I think I just made that word up. <laughs> the easier it will be to really close that deal. And I think that's the the biggest challenge. The second one is, is we always ask the question like, okay, well, so what, right? We're not able to build out our, you know, our benefits of our product. We might talk about the feature like, oh, this is a, I have a a nice iPhone case. Like, cool. Like, so what, what does that mean? Like, what does that do for me as the customer? Well, this shadow proof case. It'll allow you if you drop your phone on the ground, it'll cost you you know five hundred dollars to replace it. So by spending literally thirty dollars, it's going to save you almost twenty times if you ever in case you drop your phone. Right? They're not always able to com- communicate the value that they actually bring with their product or their service.
0: Yeah, that's so true. I think you know e- even in I started my company ten years ago and you know, I've added on services, I've elaborated on on different things, um, gone deeper in and um, it's been very helpful for me to clearly state, okay, this is because I can say digital marketing, that can mean 18 million different things. So I very specifically say, okay, this is a tangible item. This is what we're gonna we're gonna do. This is how many hours we're gonna do X. This is what you're gonna get, um, and then the results part. I think a lot of times, even when you're writing sales copy or writing digital marketing copy, things like that, I ask my clients, so what is what they what do they get? What's the result? And people say, oh, they get um, to work with me for four hours. Mm-hmm. Week. And I'm like, okay, that, um, that's a thing that, that they get that thing. But working with you, what does that help them achieve? Like, are they going to get more sales? Are they going to have um, their sales script written out and practiced and executed perfectly? Are they going to be able to speak on stages? Um, you know, so I think that the results are um, important. Because people want to buy the results,
1: and it's also making sure that the, one of the six major buying motives. Right? There's a there's something that's like that sounds nice, but what's gonna what, what is it something that I need as a customer that's going to make me put one foot in front of the other and actually purchase or move forward? Right, we have one that is you know the the feeling of something lost or the feeling of prestige or value um the one of security right is this gonna make me feel safer so if you're able to attach it to one of the six major buying motives it's actually going to increase the likelihood to make that person more proactively want to work together and make that purchase
0: yeah for sure you mentioned mobile xa and i know that that is an app that you are working on right now do you want to share what that is going to be and what that's going to provide to you know,
1: people and coaches. Yeah. So mobile XA, it's a mobile application that we're developing. And actually it's also going to be a desktop app as well. But it's uh, accountability and business coaching software for early stage entrepreneurs. Now that actually started during COVID when we're all stuck at home and we realized that we don't really have anyone to help keep us structured in our day. Uh, we were oftentimes kind of procrastinating, had all these things that we needed to, to navigate through. And so what we did is we created these personalized accountability and business coaches for individuals where they literally have a coach at the palm of their hand. Now, the whole premise of it is, is very, very simple. What we do is every morning, people would put in the task or the high-impact task they want to get done, for day. and then we have coaches that making sure that they remind them to make sure it gets it done. Um, by the end of the day. Uh, Our goal is really to create positive habits. And most of the time, we actually aren't moving forward in our lives because we're not creating consistent habits that are gonna allow us to actually take the action to create the results that we want.
0: And when you speak about consistent habits, what are some of the consistent habits that you have to be productive and whatnot?
1: Yeah, so for when this first started out, it was like six months ago when we were, we were starting. And I can just tell you about some of the results that we've had so far is it was myself and this, her name is Amy Kochuk. She's an author. And I remember we were sitting there before it started, and I was sitting there and I said, Hey, if you get this test done or don't get this test done in the next hour, you owe me $20. Now, at that moment, when the money came into the picture, it actually activated the reward sensor in her brain that actually made her proactively be more inclined to get it done. So she called him back an hour later. She's like, Oh my goodness, I got that done. Right. And we kept on doing that. Now, some of the habits that I started, we both started, was for me, I started a podcast and went 120 days straight without fail, right. Every single morning. But what you realize is that when you begin to start. A podcast, or I was doing morning meditation and working out every single morning, is oftentimes we always have this thought and this action part of side of us. I'm trying to work on this camera. <laughs> and when we begin to procrastinate, that thought to action part, but when we start taking action, when we say, okay, I'm, when it starts to take action, what ends up happening is that thought to action becomes one. So you no longer over agonizing why you should do things. So my, by me simply doing a podcast every morning and meditating every morning, I no longer procrastinated on the emails that I needed to send. So when you don't, you no longer procrastinate and you're taking more action, what ends up happening? You get more results. More stuff is being produced. More people are seeing what you're doing. You're able to get more things produced. And that's really what the habits actually help you create is some consistent habits that really just get you out of your own head to begin to take an action.
0: Okay, so in the app, people can log in, and they state their goal for the day. And then there's a coach that basically holds them accountable to getting that done. Exactly. And then um, who are the coaches? And can they work with the coaches more?
1: Yeah. So within the app, so the first, we just went through two beta cycles. Now the first two beta cycles, we were actually, um, doing some, uh, some, some test groups with some individuals and we were able to get that feedback from them to actually put into the app. So on, we're going to have three different levels. The first one is kind of just the the free version where you're able to put in your task and we'll have an AI chat box that will actually help guide people through the day on some of the premium features. We're going to have also the AI chat box, but a personalized coach, Habit tracking, how to help you plan out your weeks and your days, as well as a bonus structure to make sure you get things done and also resources. And then on the like the premium business version we will actually give you opportunities to actually meet with your coaches through Zoom. To get that next level.
0: Super cool. So are there any last tips that you would like to um, share with our audience?
1: Well, yeah, I, I think overall at the end of the day, and you were mentioning about the you know the five thousand the ten thousand hour rule is I believe that's been one of the biggest fallacies in this world today. We believe you just put in more work, you put in more time, you're gonna get better. But we don't realize that everything interconnects. So when we say, you know we're both a speaker, somebody that might also say, well, I'm a teacher. like well, a teacher and a speaker and a moderator, and a trainer they're all doing relatively the same things but it's these labels that we put around ourselves that actually limit us from growing from learning from even connecting so i use this example sometimes of talking about um how this all interconnects is we think that work that we do for example let's say you want to be the best piano player in the world do you think that typing on your computer helps you become a better piano player? Just a quick question. No. Now, if you were to break down the individual tasks that it takes to be a typist or a piano player, they're relatively the same. right? That's amazing high-end coordination, um, um, dexterity within your fingers, to be able to read music or sheet music, or even just type on the screen. So people think that physically just Being on the computer all day or being on the piano all day is what's going to get you better, but we're not realizing everything that we're doing each and every single day is getting conversation with you right now is helping me become a better speaker. Um, Me working on um, even writing a paper is helping me be a better speaker because it's helping me break down how to speak more concisely, for example, right? So for everybody, my last kind of parting words is, is we often put ourselves into these boxes. And I think within this COVID world, one of the most important things we need to realize is we need to become adaptable. And the more tools that you're building, that you're able to add into your toolbox, actually allows you to not be dependent on any industry, on any market, or any current economic situation. It allows you to actually jump into different buckets when you need to be, because all you're really doing is bringing out that particular tool for that particular task or that opportunity. So I really tell everybody during this time, spend some time learning, trying different things, because you're going to realize how much better it actually gets you in all of the things that you do.
0: Yeah, I think that utilizing resources, getting coaching, learning things, um, positioning yourself with the right people, all of that stuff helps with the tools. So you don't have to be, you know, speaking all day for you know those hours, but you can actually be with another speaker that's going to critique your speech and help you break it down and be better. So there's definitely ways to get to your goals faster if you ask for help and you find the right people to guide you in that direction. So I think that that's super important. Um, you say to have like different buckets and things like that. And I think it's great to, um, you know, have a variety of different, uh, sources of income um and ways to grow and build but i definitely have seen a lot of people try to pivot into a place that it's like okay well you you did this one thing you could diversify and do something that made sense or was complementary to this one thing so it would build that one thing but you're doing something else. Like, for example, during COVID, I started this podcast because I was like, how am I going to connect with people and um, have my audience get great tips and stay engaged? And so this was another avenue. It wasn't completely something different. It was just another avenue to get me towards my goals. Um, But I've seen a lot of people just try to do something completely different. And it's like, i don't really know why that doesn't really make sense and i don't know i wouldn't trust you to do it like because you don't have that's like right now if i was like okay well i style photo shoots but let me start cutting people's hair you don't want me cutting anyone's hair it will be all crooked. so it's like oh i'm all of a sudden like a hairdresser now and it's like that's not really i didn't go to school for that i don't know anything about it i can barely you know, I can curl. That's it. <laughs> well, it worked,
1: but we all started there at some point. I just started. I day, I just started day trading this year, and I, that's another significant revenue stream for me. And oftentimes, the reason why we're not good at things isn't because of talent. It's because sometimes we just don't know the proper fundamentals and the frameworks. For example, when I first started speaking in the virtual environment, the first virtual speaking environment. I, Engagement I did, it sucked. <laughs> but it sucked because I didn't know how to properly engage online. I didn't use the chat. I wasn't using body polls. I wasn't. I was speaking for twenty minutes instead of cutting it down into seven-minute chunks or switching it up. So, if we learn the tools and fundamentals, I believe anything in the world is possible. And sometimes you don't actually have to learn everything because this is where you can build out your team. You can outsource. And you don't have to learn how to do everything. You can still hire people to do things for you that you don't have to do everything yourself to get the results at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can definitely learn things. I like the method of being like, not trying to do something just because you think that it's going to be a way to make money if you're not really good at it i think that there needs to be some authenticity i think that you need to have the passion and you need to know the experience you have to have the experience before you try to sell something that you're going to come short so i think that you know there there is the concept of diversifying and, and learning but also making sure that you are not trying to sell something that is not Going to really benefit somebody because you don't really know what you're doing, kind of thing.
1: Well, we'll never know how everything interconnects. I was an athlete. I was an all-American athlete in college, but I was also a thespian, an actor. And all the other athletes were making fun of me, like, "Oh, he's an athlete thespian guy." Until, and, so, and I feel comfortable on the stage. It's we don't realize the actions that we do tomorrow or today, and how it will benefit us down the road. And my friends now in college, we all make fun of it now. It's like, well, now it makes sense why you're doing all that. But if we only think about things in the moment in time, we don't realize, like, hey, just do this for fun. You may not know how it interconnects or how it needs to be, but down the road, you may need this. Even, for example, this podcast that you're doing. There might be a, you know, four years down the road, it's like, hey, have you done a, a session on this? You can always pull it out of your toolbox for another day. And yeah. You never know when you need it.
0: Yeah, and I've been really focusing on what's going on in the world and finding the right speakers to discuss. So, for example, um, right before the holidays, I'm going to be, um, I have somebody that's going to talk about mental health because what's going on in the world and people not necessarily getting to spend time with their families or maybe feeling a lack of community in general, I feel like that's something important to share with the world. So definitely like adding that and that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with like my business or brand, but I think that that's like an important thing to, you know, share with people to help people out. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, the thing about what you were saying about the um, actor, one of my good friends, Michelle Jusbray, she is, she is an actor or actress and she's a speaker and she's really great because she has that stage presence and she feels comfortable and she created a charity um, called in silence voices that help domestic um, abuse victims and things like that so it was something that happened in her life that she created this charity it was her backgrounds from acting and then incorporating that and then being a speaker it all kind of just really works and it's just all these random things that she was interested in, and so I can really see like the diversity of that coming together. So, I have a fun question if yeah. you could be a superhero, what would your two superpowers be?
1: Two superpowers, yeah, you get two. Sure. Um, and it can't be like a genie type thing.
0: Oh, it, it's <laughs>
1: like be more just not really, have
0: like whatever.
1: Uh, I would say um, teleportation would be okay. one. Uh, I like to travel. I like to get from point A to point B relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like teleportation. I, I always, I always used to say like mind reading, but I don't really want to know about what everybody's thinking all the yeah. time. <laughs> um, as it's changing, I used to say like super strength. But now all I'm lifting is like like cereal in the morning. I don't lift that much stuff. Uh, but I, yeah, I think the only thing I'm really take is like teleportation. Uh, that's it. And also, actually, this to remember everything that I've ever learned.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. My memory is not always super great. I can I remember a lot of things and I have a lot of information. But like people be like oh yeah, last week remember this guy said or like that song came on and I'm like or this happened in the movie. I'm like, oh, nope, don't remember. But like, that'd be cool. So mine are to fly. Because in Star Trek, when they teleported, sometimes they didn't come together all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, i fly really fast.
1: <laughs> but I, I always imagine, I, I think about the flying, and then I think about, like, would it be cold? Yeah. I don't like being cold. That's, that's why I put teleportation, because I'd rather just like, get the relatively quickly.
0: That's true. I do think about the coldness factor, but then I'm like, maybe if I go fast enough, I won't feel it. And then I'm a superhero, so I don't know. And then uh, my second one is to speak every language in the world.
1: So you want to be like a, a diplomat or a, or an well, ambassador?
0: When I was younger, I lived in New York City and I lived in Long Island City, and my apartment, the gym, overlooked the UN. Mm-hmm. And I'd sit there on like the elliptical, be like, okay, I'm going to learn a couple languages and I'm going to work at the UN. And like, I just sit there, it never happens, and I don't know languages. But um, that was something that I was interested in. Like, I was thinking about doing an international um, diplomacy or international affairs master's at mm-hmm. some point years ago. But that's not.
1: You want to, <laughs> but work in it. So I'd be happy to talk.
0: Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on.
1: Well, thank you. I much appreciate it to enjoy this conversation in the afternoon in the city, so much appreciated.
0: <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Bye.